All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. And with that familiar music, you're listening to the podcast, so crack one and I mean a beer open. Anyway, welcome to <laughs> a podcast. I'm Ken Mills. We have Gary Schaller. Say hello, Gary. Hello, Gary. Hello, Gary. <laughs> hello. Hello. And we have Mr. Andrew Scambetti. It's actually Scambetti, but, you know, everybody mispronounces it, so. Mm-hmm. Well, it's better than Fritz. It's, it's actually much better than Fritz. Okay, which is what I call you, you know, as a nigga. He's got he's got Scan Betty Davis eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I'm glad you're all tuning in. Um, we have easily one of the least popular topics we could possibly feature in our podcast, and we're going to make it super interesting. Okay, because that's what we do. Um, and this topic, I would say, is one of the least popular topics because if you've been part of uh, the Kiss Army and sort of following us online, right? Following the Kiss Army online and doing whatever, chatting and message boards and blah, blah, blah for the past 10 years. This is so, you know, it has so occupied and preoccupied, uh, you know, the Kiss Army to the point of almost insanity. It's this idea of this current lineup, the merits, the shortcomings, the pros, the cons, the ups and downs. What we wanted to do, the in- similar, the ins and outs, hey, yeah, yeah. What we wanted to do is similar to what we did with the last show about, you know, kind of like looking at the, you know, is it Tommy versus Ace or can't you just be a fan of both, right? What we want to do is we kind of want to step back a little bit and rather than, you know, making it controversial or whatever, let's just look at what KISS has been for the last 10 years. It's a quarter of their career, right? Let's approach it with curiosity and interest and excitement and uh, talk about how we honestly feel about it and... And be KISS fans about it, right? Works for me. And one of the things that's interesting, you know, this is the 10th year that this lineup has been together and forging ahead after two albums, we'll talk about those, and after some DVD material as well, um, going into this whole Hall of Famer thing with some uncertainty and interest. But one of the things that's interesting, it brings it full circle, is before the 2000 and the current lineup, ever hit the stage and played a note in front of an audience. Peter Chris was on Eddie Trunk talking about it. And now here we are again, days after Peter Chris is on Eddie Trunk once again Oof. with uh, some somewhat of a spotlight on, you know, current KISS versus uh, original KISS, right? Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, what do you think? Uh, I'll, I guess I'll go first. Um, it was great to see Peter Chris. Always. Um, and he's wearing his favorite color, purple and black, which, despite what we grew up being told from 1978 on, green was not his favorite color. <laughs> but, uh, it, it, was, it was really cool to see Pete. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm kind of torn because there's the, the part of me that like still wants to be a 12 or 14-year-old and go like, hey, that's Peter Chris and everything, but... I also have to call like call out a few things that he said, you know, he he wants to do the 10 the 10 minute thing for the fans. 
anybody that's ever practiced in a band, especially that's going to be on national television, knows the ten-minute performance is going to be have to be rehearsed a lot more. And I just don't know if the guys can stand to be in a room that long with one another. Then, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of drama there in the past few years, and you know it's everybody's fault, I guess. Yeah. Well, it, there's there's four sides to this coin, so mm-hmm. that's the way it is. Um, let me ask you guys a question: Was Peter Chris thrown out of the band, or did he quit? Well, we've got we've got as close as we could get to Peter Chris here, right? Which is <laughs> we've got Andrew Scambati, who is the drummer for the amazing uh, tribute band Mr. Speed. Mm-hmm. Andrew, what's your thought on that? Well, you know, obviously, I, I people always assume that I'm. Um, more favorably on Peter's side because, you know, I, I play Peter on stage, but that couldn't be farther from the truth. Play um, with your Peter. Oh, never yeah. mind. <laughs> That's a different podcast. Um, different, totally different. Um, you know, when Peter came back in, you know, the tail end of 2002 when they announced the Kiss Symphony, I was actually really surprised that they were actually going to bring Peter back because out of all of the original four members at that time, you could tell that the talents, the musical talents, the vocal talents of Peter had deteriorated quite a bit. And just judging by, you know, what I've read online or in books or, or whatever, you could tell that not only did Peter's musical ability deteriorate, but his relationship with the other members of the band had deteriorated too. So with that being said, um, playing ability aside, once you have that rift, you know, personally with someone, you just get to that point where you just don't want to play with them anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you'd rather have just a good, just a generally good guy around, just to, you know that you'd either pal around with or, or work with or whatever have you. So my true feelings is that drumming ability aside, Peter was kicked out of Kiss because the personality didn't gel with Paul and Gene and Ace or Tommy or, or whoever, um, and that, that's my true belief. And I even had a conversation with someone about that, saying drumming ability aside, Peter would still be in Kiss today if he had just been. Um, a nice guy. A nice guy and very a very easygoing guy. Um, but who knows? You know, I might have had the same attitude if I was in Peter's shoes too. Because let's remember, Peter is a founding member of the band. There was no Kiss before Peter Chris. You know, Gene and Paul were still right. using Wicked Lester when Peter joined, and they renamed the band Kiss, and then they found Ace. So Peter, being a founding member, he probably has the stance of, you know, I started this band. I should finish this band. And I should have a say in this band. Whether I was in the band for, for the whole history or not, I should have a say as to what goes on in the band. So You know, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. Yeah, they, uh, I, I love how you're coming at this. Go, go on, sorry. Yeah. So, but let's, let's also remember, too, we're reading, you know, we're reading things that are online from who knows where they came from. We're also right. getting things straight from Peter's mouth. But we'll never know what actually went on you know, in those dressing rooms, in those meetings, in those business right. conferences. So as fans, we're basically, we're basically the, not, we're not going to say we're the best detectives, but we're playing detective. We're taking a little piece from here, a little piece from there, and basically making our own version of you know, the reality. You know, Peter has his own version of the reality in his book. Ace has one in his book. Gene has one in his book. And Paul's going to have one in his book when his book comes out. So uh, bottom line, we don't know what happened between the four of them. We're never going to know what happened between the four of them. Um, you know, what I can tell you is that you know, Peter left the band, whether he was quit or whether he was fired in 1980, we'll never know. Um, and Gene and Paul you know, carried on. So when Peter came back, Gene and Paul realized that, okay, you know, the fans want to see the original band in, in makeup, so you know, we should do this. But let's also remember, 
we're able to put the makeup back on now because we continued this band for so long without Peter and Ace. So, well, let me ask you guys a quick question. Yeah. None of us got to see the contracts, so we'll never know. Uh-huh. There's a way to 100% know the, the answer to this question. But I think that you'd be living in denial if you don't come to the same conclusion that I do. And, and you know, I may be right, I may be wrong. But I'm just going to throw this out there. The question I have for you guys is how much do you think the point of the reunion was not just to make a shit ton of money, but to get the rights to those makeup designs? I don't. You don't? Okay. I don't think so. Well, didn't they? I I know that they had the rights to Peter's makeup since the mid 80s. Um, right. And I know they had gotten the rights to Ace's makeup, I think, right before the reunion tour. Because if you remember on the Kiss My Ass album, they used right. different makeup. They didn't have the rights to Ace's makeup at that point. Um, I believe it's in, in one of the, I think it was in Kiss and Tell, or, or one of those books produced by Gordon G. Gebert, whoever his name is, yeah. um, that said that when Ace filed bankruptcy in 95, he sold the rights to the makeup then because he needed a big chunk of money at that time. Um, so I think prior to the reunion tour, Gina Paul had the rights to that to those makeup designs. Again, I could be wrong because I don't know what really happened. Ken, you're kind of um, hypothesizing that that sort of looking into the future, Gina Paul knew or or could have guessed that this wasn't going to last. It wasn't going to end um, Sunshine and Rainbow with the original lineup reunited, and that if it didn't, they wanted to carry on. They couldn't take you know take the makeup off again um, and so they were sort of putting a down payment on a, a post reunion future in which they could continue to use those characters at, just as they have done. Not only that, it had to be a kick in the nuts when they went to put out Kiss My Ass and all of a sudden they're being told they can't do something. That had to uh, be a call to them. Yeah, well I mean I, I, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, but also yeah. remember this too, remember you know, I, I assume that the three of us are huge fans of the revenge era of the band, but just remember that revenge era, you know, the '92 to '95 era of the band. Kiss was at their lowest popularity of all time. You know, they had trouble selling out, you know, hotels for the official Kiss convention. You know, the revenge know. tour, the revenge tour was worsely attended than the Creatures of the Night tour. Here's the thing: can I can I just say something about that? I know that that's true. I mean, I know that that is true because it happened, and I realize, like, I'm not in denial about that. I know that that is; those are the numbers, mm-hmm. okay. But I gotta, I gotta say something about that, okay? Just quickly, I, I am a huge fan of that um, that era, that lineup. I think musically, I'm not sure Kiss ever sounded quite like they did then. In no, terms they of sounded great, unbelievable. And um, I mean, that is far and away I think my second favorite um, Kiss era. Um, but but in terms of popularity, I just want to say two quick things about that era. Um, one, they never tried to do a theater tour um, the way that I think a band of uh, you know a, a band that was as popular as they were then could have tried to cash in on that and do well. They, the the convention thing, <laughs> pun intended, was unconventional in a way. Like it was it wasn't you know Kiss was going to do a full electric show at the Roseland Ballroom or at the um, you know Town Hall or whatever. Like I think had they tried to mount something that was like theater scale tour in major cities across America, they could have probably done that with some success. Um, they, they were still selling pretty well in like arenas and venues around the world, like Budokan and, and so on. 
Um, so I think um, we can only measure, obviously, we can only measure their success or failure by what they did or did not do. Mm-hmm. Um, but had they tried to do that, I think we would have seen a more, a more lucrative or more financially solvent uh, version of that 92-95 lineup. The second thing about that is, while commercially, yes, they were at their lowest, perhaps, um, one thing that I would say is that they were kind of at, at a, they were doing pretty well in terms of recognition and, and um, popularity and respect. Like among the fan base, there was a, among the fan base, not oh, among the general public. Yeah, oh, but I would say no. I would say among the general public as well. Here, here's why I say that. Um, it, there, that period, like from Alive Three, moving to the reunion, right, right up until including the reunion, mm-hmm. it was like you couldn't open a, a guitar player magazine, Guitar World, Guitar for the Practicing Musician, you know, people who like to play guitar, whatever <laughs> magazine it is, yeah. without some article with someone talking about how Kiss was their favorite band and they wouldn't be playing without Kiss and blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and and even you know it had like it was almost like Gene and Paul were the like the elder statesmen of musician magazines for a while and like Kiss was taken seriously like Soundgarden oh top 10 favorite Kiss songs by, by the members of Soundgarden you're stuff, absolutely you know? right you're absolutely right about that I, I, I did forget about that I mean I was a little young to uh, experience that in real time but I, I had gone back and, and gotten a lot of those magazines and you know Metal Edge Hit Parade or Kiss was all, they may not have been on the cover but they were always featured or mentioned in those magazines and you had that time yeah mm, yeah true. So I guess I mean, was, let's fast forward to, to 2004 because, you know, right. the, reunion, the reunion tour had made its money. They, they did a new album with Ace and Peter. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I put quotes around that because we know that Ace and Peter didn't play on that. And then, right. uh, you know, we had the, the pseudo farewell tour. And then Kiss comes back, you know, to America in 2003 with the Aerosmith tour. So we're, you know, as Kiss fans, as music fans, you know, whatever have you, we're looking for what Kiss is going to do after this you know, widely successful Aerosmith tour, and we're hit with another mm-hmm. shock. We're hit with the shock that Eric Singer, you know, is coming back and taking Peter Chris's place. I don't know when it was announced on KOL. I, I think it was announced in January or close to that January 2004 time period that says that, you know, Eric was back in the band. I remember the photo that they posted. Um, it was kind of an outtake shot saying that this was the, the new kiss, and you saw Eric, you know, in makeup. Um, right, ready to to you know do this tour that was announced you know shortly later. Um, mm-hmm. So initially, I mean, what was everybody's thoughts when we saw that Eric is back? I mean, it wasn't a huge shock because we know that Eric had worn the makeup briefly you know between two thousand one and two thousand two when Peter was out. But you know, what were your thoughts when you saw that Eric was back and we had Eric and Tommy in that iconic makeup? I mean, I can tell you what I thought. You know, I mean, I. I was really excited when Peter came back in 2003. I actually, I love Peter Chris. We've had him on the show. I love Ace Fairly. We've had him on the show. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of both. Uh, for me, Ace was the disappointing factor, I think, or the limiting factor in those 96 to 2001 shows. I, um, in, I, I could see Andrew, you being a drummer. You know, he's your guy. You're going to listen to what Peter does, and and want to hear a certain thing. I'm a guitar player, so I wanted to hear. Ace sound like Ace, and to me, it was it just wasn't happening. Yeah. I love Ace, but and uh, when Tommy came in, I felt like it was sort of like I could breathe. You know, it was like, oh, okay, these guitar solos sound really good. It sounds like someone who really cares about this material is is playing it. Um, I thought Peter sounded really good in two thousand three. I whole, thought the whole band was uh, rejuvenated. Um, saw them five times on that tour. Loved it. 
when Eric came in, I was sad only because there was something that had been lost um, in the sense of having Peter there. I love Peter. Um, at the same time, I was really excited about what could happen um, in terms of the set lists and in terms of the, the creativity. Um, what, you know, the, here was a lineup that potentially could, could the, you know, it was like the doors were wide open, right? Mm-hmm. Great, great, you know, phenomenal virtuoso drummer, a guitarist who adores this music and, and really takes the time to learn it well. Um, so I was excited. Was there anybody bummed out that Kiss didn't say goodbye when they said goodbye? Uh, yes and no. I'm uh, kind of the same way. Yeah, I mean, I, I was very, very young. You know, when Kiss came back, I was 11 years old in 96. So I only had a couple of years to experience, you know, going to Kiss shows and experiencing Kiss releases. I mean, I was a fan uh, long before that, but you have to get to a certain age where you could keep up with the band currently. Like, you know, when I became a fan in 87, I wasn't buying Crazy Nights the first day it came out. You know, uh, when Hot in the Shade came out, I wasn't buying that the first day it came out. You know, when I was a younger fan, I was into the makeup and and reading the comic and watching Kiss Meets the Phantom. When they put the makeup back on, I finally started following the band as it happened. You know, I bought Mm -hmm. One of the Best when it came out. I bought Greatest Kiss when it came out. I bought Psycho Circus when it came out. You know, so on and so forth. I kept up with the band currently at that point. Granted, it was a lot of compilations that came out in a row. Um, And that's a whole other story. But, you know, when they were calling it quits, I, I... or when they wanted to call it quits, I was I was really disappointed, really really disappointed. And then you know when they started announcing, you know that they were doing one-off shows, you know the Lane Bryant thing, the you know Olympics mm-hmm. thing. I knew that the band wasn't going to go away. And then when the rumors came that they were going to do this symphony thing, and then ultimately do the tour with Aerosmith, I was excited because now I could see my favorite band again. Right. And they looked great. They had, they were you know they had all kind of lost weight, and they they had these you know new old costumes. Um, so, it, yeah, I felt like that sort of surge of energy. 2004, they still had that costume, you know, the Alive reboot costumes. So that wasn't so super exciting. And there was still no album, you know, in sight, no new album, no new material. And the stage, like, stage was the same, arguably. I mean, they just they yeah. threw some video screens in between the amps and they tried to call it new. Um, right. I was a little disappointed on that. Right. Right. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think that that was one of the many, many... Um, vocal criticisms people had. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, again, much love to Peter. He he cashed in on that, not cashed in, he capitalized on on that as a complaint, you know, that sort of stuff. Like, where's the new, you know, where's this new kiss that Paul's talking about? You know, where's the new aspect of it? Paul was saying that he wanted to do the new kiss, but Peter was like, well, where's this new kiss? You're wearing the same makeup, you got the same stage, yeah. you're playing the same songs, same everything. Right. Well, and then they didn't. I mean, they had the same stage, more or less, same outfits. But man, what a for me, what an awesome turn of events. The set lists in two thousand four. I mean, that to me is where, you know, as a fan, I'm like, goody, you know, here we go. I'm like, bring on this lineup. Let's, you know, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought the set list was great. You know, they they were doing songs they hadn't done in a while. You know, Unholy, you know, Making Love, you know, Parasite, War Machine, She. You know, and then at certain shows they were doing, you know, stuff like Love Her All I Can and All The Way, Going Blind. They really had mixed it up at that point. I mean, granted, there was the same core eight or ten songs that were there. 
Hundred Thousand Years, Shout Out Detroit Rock City, those were there. You know, but even if you think of the songs that were like at every show, you know, the ones like, you know, because I saw them four times in, in 2004, and virtually every show they had some of the same songs, but even the, those, right? Like, um, oh gosh, uh, Got to Choose, right? Oh, that's right, I uh, forgot that they, they brought back Got to Choose. Right, Unholy, God Gave Rock and Roll, like these are songs that, you know, if you didn't see them in the in the pre-reunion 90s, like you hadn't heard these songs in, you know, like a decade, you know, almost a decade, right? Right. That was, you know, for me, like there were songs that they played on that tour. I mean, I'd never heard them do She before. You know, it had been since 92 that I'd heard them do Parasite, you know, I never heard them do Got to Choose, like Christine 16 came back, like, like a lot of great songs. So that was super exciting. You know? And I thought that, of course, like with Eric behind the drums, the band just sounded, I thought they sounded phenomenal. You know, it, it was odd for me. Um, I saw them four times on that tour, and then I had finally been lucky enough to be able to get some backstage access where um, I had followed the band down into uh, Washington, D.C. and Virginia, where they shot the Rock Nation DVD, which I'm on. Um, Yay! So I, I got to, you know, go backstage, and I got to, you know, hang out with the band and the crew a little bit, and... You know, for some reason, when I was back there, and even when I was watching the shows after that, it, something said to me that, is this really the last Kiss tour? You know, I know mm. it wasn't announced at the time, but for some reason, I had just gotten this feeling that after I had saw the band in Virginia Beach, I had left the show with, with, with a bunch of my friends, and I was like, is this the last time I'm going to see this band? It, I just had that feeling about it, and it, it was very, very funny to me, because right after this tour, you know, Kiss took this unofficial hiatus, I mean, yeah, they performed a handful of shows in, in California for that, that hit-and-run tour in 2006. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they did a couple other shows in Japan and blah, blah, blah here and there. But for the most part, KISS was on this it's, hiatus. They weren't doing anything. Well, the elef- Go ahead, sorry. It seemed very wobbly. You just, it, it, it wasn't like there was an agenda. They, they would hit and run. As a matter of fact, they had that uh, tour, the hit-and-run tour. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that well, there was a, we weren't really used to as KISS fans. Well, the, you know, what it felt like for me was that, um, you know, the expression, like, everyone's ignoring the elephant in the room, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, the, for me, what it felt like was the elephant in the room was that there was friction of some kind between Gene and Paul. And while it wasn't on stage in, like, uh, in, the, in the grand scale of, like, Fleetwood Mac when they were fighting on stage or, like, you know, um, gosh, I don't know. Uh, what... Um, Deep Purple, right, with guys like throwing things at each other or, or the Kinks or something. With Kiss, it was just an icy cold lack of chemistry between the, the you know two founding members on stage. And then you had it off stage where you know there's this sort of dead space after the the um, uh, Rock the Nation tour. And what happens is Gene puts out um, his asshole record, which I'll I continue to think is a way more enjoyable record than anyone gives a credit for. I think it's creative and interesting and fun, but whatever. Um, And, I don't know, Paul is characteristically um, sort of cheeky and negative about it. Kind of, um, I don't know, bless Paul, he's a good guy, but um, never one to obey the law of, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything. (laughs) Yeah, true. Um, not that Gene is is much better, but um, didn't, didn't he say that at one point about the asshole? Uh, maybe, but you know, he also talked about like I don't know. Gene always thinks he's going for a home run, and you know, he struck out on this. I, some, I know, think some. I think one interview, you know, someone asked him about it, and Paul said, uh, "I hope it's what he wanted." Yeah, <laughs> for that is right, right. 
Yeah. Well, then, then you know, then came um, Live to Win. And uh, if you don't have anything nice to say about stuff, Gary doesn't say anything. Mm. I, okay. I loved Live to Win, and I loved the tour. I really enjoyed that tour as well. I saw them in, uh, in San Francisco, and it was good, great fun. Yeah, it was great fun. He, he sounded really good. Great, great time. Um, so, but, you know, right around that time, that I think they, it seemed like Gene and Paul maybe started to put things together again, patch up a little bit of what, whatever had been, whatever rift there was. I don't know. Does that mean other people, like, you know, the, them teaming up on sort of this commentary for the Kissology series, right? It started to feel like, oh, there's that cohesion again. Yeah, and, and it was kind of odd, too, because, <clears throat> you know, with the Internet being what it is nowadays, when Kiss decides they want to go on tour, you know, if you're part of a certain message board or, or you, you know the right person, you know about it months in advance. Right. What I thought was really interesting is that when Kiss decided to do the Alive 35 tour, I had no idea what was happening. I just had mm. to log on to Kiss Online one day, and there's a picture of them in the in the Destroyer costumes again. I was like, "Holy crap, they're coming back!" Right. You know, right. I, I had heard nothing about it, and um, then all of a sudden there are all these dates announced, and you know they go to Australia, then they and they ended up going to Europe, and then mm. and then they decided to come to America. You know, in 2009, um, but you know when they came back, you know I guess back in quotes so to speak when they came back for that tour, I, I didn't hear mm. anything about it, and, and I was actually pretty excited. Because they hadn't done something of that magnitude for such a long time, you know, you hear right, since, Yeah, you well, know. and there was something. You know, there's another exciting thing that happened. You know, I guess two other things come to mind. One is they really started to gel. I think as a lineup, particularly, you know, again, Gene and Paul having uh, seeming to have a very good time with one another again. I don't know some chemistry was back, but the whole band seemed to be having fun and 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 getting you know, getting that energy again and. Um, the, that 2008 tour, but also you know you had the um, Jigoko Ritsuden thing, right? Where they they re-recorded those classic songs, and it was all of a sudden, hey, um, you know this is old material, and you know nothing beats the original stuff. But this band could actually function in the studio if only, man, if only they would do a new record. And boom, right? You know, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, Kiss is a a band again, a working band again, right? Do you guys remember that excitement? Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember when I first heard about Sonic Boom. I, I was actually you know playing in a country band at the time, and when Sonic Boom, you know, the rumbling started coming out about that, I was like, I got to get back to rock music. This ain't cut. <laughs> I was like, Kiss has put out a new record. I'm, I'm excited as all hell. So it's time to go back into some rock music. <laughs> Gotta be strong. The rest of the world's gonna shatter. It doesn't matter. When the 
me hear ya! I remember being excited, but I was also, I also remember being very skeptical. I kept waiting for like the disappointment of it all. I, was I did too. Afraid. I was afraid that it wasn't going to happen. What were you afraid about it in particular? <laughs> because I had went from like, well, you know, I remember the last time I saw Kiss, the original four guys on the farewell tour, it was uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. And I had seen them like four times in you know a certain span of time and it just seemed like uh well this is it it's the perfect bow i'm gonna miss my old friends this is over and it was kind of weird when i saw eric filling in for pete and that was kind of bizarre and you know you had that happen and you know they they didn't say he was part of the band he was just filling in and so on and so forth and and then you had the Pete and Tommy lineup and everything but it, it it in a sense in the same way that it was like almost a disappointment when they kept going it, I was afraid to be disappointed that we were going to get psyched up for a new album to come out and it was like well for whatever reason it's not happening I, I thought it would happen. I mean, you know, it, it, sort of like if Paul says it's going to happen, right, it, it feels like it, it actually might happen. What I was worried about was um, all of this talk that was going on with all four members saying, you know, we're all in the studio. Everyone's playing their own parts. It's really collaborative. I was like, yeah, 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 we've heard that before. Right. And um, I kind of expected it. You know, I, I, I half hoped that it would be true and then tried not to get my hopes up. Right. I think it really actually did wind up being that, didn't it? It really was. It seems like it. I mean, I mean there'd be no reason for us to even guesstimate that it wasn't. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, in what ways do you feel KISS continuing? And, and I guess we should kind of let people know that we're talking about the period from, what, 2004 to 2014, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. And uh, in what ways do you feel that that's impacted your life? Because I have some things I'd like to put out there. Well, I mean, this is the lineup that I was able to experience as a young adult to adult. You know, uh, 2004, I was 18 years old. And it, it, it was that, that first time where I had my own money, where I was able to go to multiple shows, travel to see the band. You know, in 2006, I traveled to Japan to see Kiss. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it was basically, it's the lineup I've seen the most. Um, and I always felt like this was my kiss. You know, I know I'm going to catch a ton of flack for that because people will say, well, if you were born no. in the 70s, there would only be one kiss, and that's your kiss, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Ace and Tommy, Peter, blah, you know, people, they'd start breathing fire at me. But to me, this was the kiss that I was able to go see. It was the kiss that I was able to meet, you know, spend some time mm -hmm. with. Um, and it, it kind of basically solidified myself as a fan. You know, that time period was... You know, after you, you go through your teens and you grow up, you know, more times than not, people's musical tastes or what they like, it just changes. But for me, it didn't change. It just went more to Kiss, you know. And the more I traveled, the more friends I made for Kiss. And the more things I discovered because of Kiss, the more bands I started liking because of Kiss. So that mm -hmm. time period, 2004 to 2014, was really a, a, a huge growing period for me personally. And... The experiences that I had in those ten years, you know, were great. There are going to be memories that I look back on 
you know, when I'm 50, 60, 70 years old saying, man, I had a great time, you know, growing yeah. up at that point, experiencing KISS, whether it be seeing them in concert, going to conventions, or, you know, just meeting friends and, and doing something non-KISS with someone you knew through KISS. And getting to, you know, new studio records. Not say what you want about them. Personally, I love both of those records. Me too. Same here. Yeah. I'll tell you, um, Ken, I'm thinking about your, your question, right? Like, what, what were those years for me personally as a KISS fan, right? Um, you know, growing up basically as a kid in the 80s, um, being a member of the KISS Army was, a, was an abstraction, right? Because, you know, yeah, they were on the asylum tour. Who cared? Like, meaning, you know, when you're in elementary school or middle school and KISS is going out on, on the Hot in the Shade tour, like, nobody really cares. Um, none of your friends are going. Right, right, and uh, no one cared when Revenge came out. You know, they cared. My friends cared because I dragged them to the show, right? But, um, but the idea of defending Kiss or being a Kiss fan through and through, like you know, good times and bad times, right? Um, it, it kind of felt like a slap in the face a bit. Um, sometimes love is like that. Um, love is it, like a slap in the face, right? You know, on, on the farewell tour, or whatever. If Paul would say, like, you know. They, they, you know, they were wrong, and we, you know, we, you know, we did it. We, we went through the, you know, the non-makeup years, even though everyone said, you know, we told them they were wrong, and everyone cheered. And I'm, and I'm looking around and thinking, where the hell were all of you guys? <laughs> you guys all came back in '90s, you know, like the other people in the audience, right? Most of you bailed during those years he's talking about. Like, we showed them they were wrong. No, like a few of us showed them they were wrong. <laughs> like a few of us. That's good. Right, you know, like the rest of you guys came back in 96 because you got the, the, the thing that you wanted. Um, but for, for me, 2004 to now has been sort of my opportunity to feel like a, a true blue diehard KISS fan who isn't giving up. You know, and, and like there's been a, no shortage of opportunities to defend KISS lately because yeah, even within the fan base, people get upset about, you know, the makeup thing or the stage or the set list or Sonic Boom or Monster or whatever. I'm, I'm not quitting.
remember um, Nikki from Prague? Yes, yes. Right? Way years ago, like 2008, we had an interview with this, um, this you know, nice young lady in Prague. I mean, she must have been, what, 15, 16, 17 years old, seeing Kiss for the first time because they had never played in her country before. And the excitement, this lineup has captured uh, some generation that wasn't, uh, wasn't going to concerts in the reunion era. And this lineup has reinvigorated some some enthusiasm for Kiss in the general public. People could say it's you know not hardcore fans, or they could say you know the public doesn't know better. But man, this this is the Kiss Army now. Right. Exactly. I know that over the ten year period, um, well, this show. I mean, yeah. done here. You know, all of our fans and friends that are listening right now. You know. Uh, chances are you've seen us at a show or, you know, whether it be an expo or at a KISS show or whatever, you know, and you're listening to this. And you've been doing that since 2007. So that's been part of it, documenting that and seeing as it unfolds. I also know that personally, uh, I got to meet some great, great friends, you know, like Mike Myocker and Jeff Guthrow and so many people, and you guys included. And who knows if any of that would have happened had it not been for this current lineup. I just and the fact, yeah, happened. And and to top it further off, um, I am with my wife, uh, who I met through Kiss. Right. And uh, we ran a Kiss message board together. Still do. And uh, she's always been supportive of the podcast and stuff like that. And uh, we've had a blast. But I and as a Kiss fan, I'm I'm with my my wife's with me in spite of it. You know, <laughs> those two sides of that coin. So there you go. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, meeting the two of you and James and, and a whole bunch of people has been amazing because KISS continues and because of podcast, but also like, God, I mean, the people we've talked, it's like, you know, Dirty D from KISS Meets the Fan, Lisa Jane Persky. Um, uh, Friends with Bill Starkey. Bill Starkey, yeah, right. Bill Starkey. I mean, just unbelievable. We've, and we've had half of the current lineup on our show, right? Tommy and Eric have been on the podcast. Like, that is amazing. You know, you know, I, I want to share a, a quick, you know, podcast story. I remember when the first episode came out, the, the teaser first episode with the interview uh, with Kiss on the eve before their Madison Square Garden concert in '77. I remember sitting in front of my computer. I still lived at home at the time, so I remember sitting in my bedroom and, and listening to this and going, "This is pretty cool." You know, and I remember Thank waiting. You. I remember waiting. I was like, "I wonder what the next episode's going to be." I remember waiting for for episode two, and then waiting for episode three. And uh, I was working nights at the time, and I remember putting every episode on there so I could listen to it, you know, while I work. And I just thought, this is this is so cool. And I remember finally when I got to be on for the very first time for the the coffee house thing, and I remember like, wow, I listened to this thing and now I'm on it. And I was like, this is so cool. Thank you, and it's so cool to have you on. And and and, and I mean, we we were also doing the podcast during the time when you know when your band, when Mr. Speed got so much. Um, love and adoration from the Kiss Army. Like, that was so, so much fun. Yeah. And, it felt like the home team had won, you know? Yeah, and, and if you guys remember, because I, I don't know if you do, but I got Tommy to be on the show for the very first time. That's right, that was you! That, that was, was you, right? You yeah. got Tommy on, that was right. Yeah, because awesome. I was working at the coffee house at the time, which I was the only Kiss fan that ever worked there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, but I was working there, and I was organizing the party, and um, it was one of those things where uh, I was like, well, I know Tommy's going to be the guest. Maybe I can get him an interview. 
on here. That's and true. then I remember talking to him, and he says, absolutely. And then, lo and behold, Tommy appeared on there. I think Mike did the interview. Yeah. But yeah, I was, Mike, the, one, Mark, I was the one that, that got Tommy to do that. And I think Jeff was in on that, too. I Jeff was in on that, too. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, we got to have those guys back on the show. Hey, you know, I'm just, as we're talking about this, one thing I want to mention, too. Um, 71 songs from the KISS catalog have been performed by this lineup. And I know that for a band that has 20 uh, studio records, you know, not counting the live two and solo records, okay, 20 full studio albums, 71 may not seem like a lot, but for KISS, you know, that's a huge number of um, tracks that this band has performed live. I mean, KISS gets a lot of flack for performing the same songs, but if you really look at each tour that they've done, since solidifying this lineup with Tommy and Eric, each tour does have, you know, a handful of different songs. I mean, just look at the, the Sonic Boom, you know, Fall American Tour 2009, and then look at the set list when they came back for the How to Show on Earth Tour. It was like, you know, five to eight songs that were different. Absolutely. That's, that's a huge number because you, people don't realize that, you know, for a band like Kiss that's, that's been around for, you know, at that time, 30-some-odd years, there are some songs you have to play. You have to play Detroit Rock City. You have to play Love Gun. You have to play Rock and Roll All Night. So once you, once you go through the list of songs that you have to play, they're trying to throw in stuff to just to keep it interesting for some fans. But for a lot of these fans, you know, that's not good enough. You know, they want, you know, we want 20 rare songs. Well, you know, if you want 20 rare songs, you know, go on the Kiss Cruise or, or go on something that's tailored to a diehard fan. Right. You know, when I would you, love to hear the oath live, and I also realize that um, there has to be something besides the boat that gets you to go on the cruise and pay that kind of money. And I, you know, I, I understand it. I don't have to love it, but I understand that people who pay, are, are going to shell out that kind of harder and cash and go on the Kiss cruise, you know, they get something extra. You know, I'll tell you something. Right? When uh, when I was on this this Kiss cruise this past year. And the first night they opened up with uh, anything from my baby, and Eric opens up with that drum pattern that's the same as, as rock and roll all night. I'm looking, I'm like, are they opening up with rock and roll all night? I'm like, are they doing this? I was like, this is this is bullshit. If they're opening up with rock and roll all night, so but then they went into anything from my baby, and I was like, oh my god, this is awesome.
it's weird to look back and say that we've had 10 years of fun with this band. Uh, to a lot of people, they, they don't understand how we can enjoy it. And we've talked a lot about what our kiss was. And to me, there were times that kiss wasn't always my kiss. And I think that we can all say that on some level. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, for example, the World Domination Tour didn't really light it up for me. For whatever reason, something just didn't seem right to me. And it, it took me a while. But once I saw a Rock the Nation show, it was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And I think that you find basically what you want out of kiss. You know, you... You, you, you kind of will find it, you know. It's kind of like in Kiss Meets the Fan where it says they're looking for something, but it's not Kiss. If right. Kiss is, is four guys on a stage, sometimes a makeup, more often than not their makeup, sometimes not. And they blow up a lot of shit, and they play some cool rock songs. And if you're not looking for that, you're not going to find it. But Kiss is yeah. still out there. Nice. And, and, and as much as um, I may not like Kiss 2.0, it's a possibility. It'll still be Kiss as long as it's that name legally. Now, whether it'll be my Kiss or not, that's up for me to decide. Right. I mean, we have people saying, you know, in 2004, we had people saying, well, this isn't Kiss anymore. And tell that to, you know, Nikki from Prague, and the, you know, who I believe with tears in her eyes, you know, got to see something so magical and important to her. You know, that, that's Kiss. Well, I remember people saying that this wasn't my Kiss in 1979 when Kiss went kissco or disco or whatever and i remember getting the unmasked album going well this really isn't my kiss because it had nothing to do with the dark imagery and the leather and the costumes and everything and i remember getting the hot in the shades album going this isn't my kiss and there were times on the reunion tour when i said this isn't my kiss wait no it is and you know so there's there's times when you went back and forth on it but we have what we define as my kiss you know whatever you know you're looking or I hope it's Kiss because it's still out there and it's still fun. I mean, it's really one of the greatest soap operas in rock. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and, oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you guys are here um, to celebrate Kiss with me, and um, let's keep it going, Kiss. Yeah, let's, podcast. let's not forget why we're here because it, it's rock and roll. This is a good time. You know, this is something that we enjoy. So I'm really glad to be a part of something that we don't consistently negatively speak of the band. You know, you have some websites that basically their entire existence is just trashing this band. I'm glad that this is a, something that we could positively talk about the band. And, you know, not for nothing, there are so many good things that have happened, you know, because of KISS. So, you know, to me, I, I'll never, I'll, you know, there may be things about KISS that I don't like. I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on the things I like about KISS. And I'm going to focus on the good times I've had because of KISS. All of us at some point have had some dealings with the band. And we know that Tommy and Eric are much more vested in KISS than a lot of people want to give them credit for. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to believe that Tommy and Eric don't have any uh, input as far as like what KISS is doing or what KISS is doing that is cool, or even on the set list, you need to think again. You may not like it, but it's true. And they may not be uh, shareholders in KISS, but... Right. Or they but, might be. You know, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. That's right. But they are definitely band members, so they, they definitely care. And they're keeping this band fun and going. And yeah, it could be two other guys, but it's not two other guys. These guys, Gene and Paul have stood beside them 
through this whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing. And they didn't have to, but they did. So, you know, God bless them. So here we are. We're celebrating 10 years of this lineup. And some people are celebrating 10 years of rocking out and having a great time and going to a bunch of killer shows and just enjoying the band. Some people are celebrating 10 years of complaining, I guess. <laughs> I'm just glad that we're all here and enjoying uh, one another and kiss. I hope, I hope we get many more. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late, great Eric Carr, and the late, great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, thank you for listening to Podcast, the KISS fanzine for your ears. <laughs> <laughs>